Hello, everybody. Welcome to Clappercast. A very weird episode. I don't remember what number this is, but a little bit of a weird episode. But what is not weird is who is on the podcast today. Alina Falls is here, as always. But we don't have a guest. We don't have an empty third chair. We have Paul Price coming to us live from his new apartment. You're still on the podcast. Kind of got some worry that you might have quit, but you're here. <laughs> How are you today, everyone? We thought you didn't like us anymore. Um, no, it was... Um, so... My whole setup was at my parents' place, and then um, when I moved here, I had to get, I got like a mic for Christmas. This isn't that interesting, but I got a mic for Christmas from my dad, and then when I tried to plug it into the um, laptop, I realized I didn't have the right cord for it. So I had to spend like an hour trying to figure out what cord to get, and then I ordered it, and it was on back order, so it finally arrived. So like, I would have just like, you know, sounded like crap the whole time. So this is <laughs> this is the better option. Also, I found out this mic's like $300. I don't know why dad spent that much. But <laughs> when I was trying to find it, I was like looking it up on Amazon. I was like, Jesus. Hey, this it's, is a quality podcast. It's a um, it's a streamer one, apparently. Hmm. So it's like supposed to be for people. And you put like your um, phone on it and you can like sound great while you record or whatever i love that uh, you can catch paul at paul uh price like tag on Twitter <laughs> <Yeah>. every <laughs> night i wish um that's actually like one of those things that i if i was a little younger i definitely would have gotten into in my teen years when uh, you told when me I that like, i should do it i still think you should yeah. <laughs> i'm like i play pokemon and that's it maybe when i'm that's... like skinnier i'll try <laughs> <laughs> um that's the other thing. God, uh, I'm doing HelloFresh, which this is not sponsored, but should be. Um, and it's great. You should definitely do it. Actually, you know, a lot of people like think what it is, is very like, you know, like, um, I want to say like cafeteria meals. It's what I like. I thought it was going to be. It's actually great. It's fantastic. Um, uh, but sometimes it's really hard. And yesterday I had a panic attack while I was cooking a vegetarian banh mi. Um, because they don't tell you like they're like just do these things and then you don't realize at one point all of them have to be done at the exact same second which i know is cooking but also i would have prepped some things differently um and so i was just sitting there that's and what like, you're supposed to read the entire recipe first i did but you like you're looking and it's okay. like make a you know um make a mayo chili and you're like okay i can do that it'll take five seconds no it doesn't because you gotta open all the packages then you gotta find a place to put the packages and then you realize you're out of bowls and so you have to put mayo in a coffee cup it was just you know <laughs> you gotta get better at your on. mise en place yeah right <laughs> oh <laughs> tragedy um but yeah and now we're watching really bad movies yeah well and the whole <laughs> oh, I didn't see it. I can't say it. I didn't see it. Oh. Also, uh, not not that hole. That's a different movie. <laughs> <laughs> it's giving me hole. Um, okay, so let's get to our films because we have, like you mentioned, a little bit of a rough lineup today. And let's start over. Disney Plus, our favorite. Disney, we love them. Sneakerella. It's, it's Cinderella, but gender swapped. And they have sneakers. It's really inventive, guys. Walt is back from the grave creating great content. Alina, you can start us off with Stinkerella. I feel like Disney... You said Stinkerella, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't even realize. <laughs> I said what I said. I feel like Disney thinks they will collapse as a corporation if we don't get a Cinderella adaptation every single year. I'm like, why? Okay, so Stinkerella, it's both this like kid who lives in... Queens, and he goes to Manhattan one day for a sneaker drop. I don't understand sneaker culture. I think it's odd, but sure. This kid's super into sneakers, whatever. Um, and he meets this like girl in line, and it turns out the girl is like the daughter of a guy who is like a rich like sneaker brand owner or something. And like she thinks the original i forget these people's names she thinks like the main character guy is like an underground designer and he's actually not and then like she gets mad at him for lying and i'm like this is so stupid i don't and, like it's also a musical i was i don't like i don't understand why this exists 
Yeah, you're not wrong. I mean, I look, I don't watch Disney Channel original movies anymore. I watch like the old ones I have nostalgia for, but I don't currently t- tune into like Bizarre of Arc the movie or whatever they're playing. So like I fully <laughs> appreciate this is not for me. This is definitely for children. Um, but yeah, no, it's pretty bad. I mean, it's very, very, It very is definitely boring. giving Disney Channel original movie. In the worst possible way, yes. I mean, there's just no yeah. like... I cannot imagine anyone watching this and being like, wow, it's so cool. Like, just imagine a modern day wokish Cinderella that's gender swapping that has sneakers and you get it. Like, it's not cute. The songs are not Mm -hmm. good. It's not funny. There's no real style to it. Like, it's just it's what you expect in the worst of ways. It's not even like fun. You know, at least last year, I think Cinderella, Amazon Cinderella featuring Cabello was worse than this as a movie but like at least that one i would watch any day over this because it was like fun exactly yeah like this one the sneakerella just didn't have anything going for it (laughs) it 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 felt like they were just like oh we have to redo cinderella but make it like really really diverse yes because like the lead characters are black which is great and then like the 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 girl who's like the best friend of our main character she like mentions at one point that she has a girlfriend and i was like okay queer it's cute but then like they don't do anything with it which i guess is also like a good thing like i kind of like when there's like diverse characters and they're not like there for like trauma or like an actual reason they just happen to be whatever like that's the nice aspect of it but then at the same time it's just like this was really boring and like none of the songs really like hit either like i'm not a musical girly i don't enjoy a musical but like there was no like good catchy songs i feel like they wanted this to be like kind of in the same realm as like the cheetah girls or something like that and just like because the cheetah girl songs like slap and are catchy and like this one just didn't hit like i think disney wanted it to yeah, no, what it feels actually, I kind of disagree. I think the process of this is Disney was like, we want a project that is woke. We want to show diversity because we want to show that we are diverse. What is something that we can do that's really simple? Let's just do Cinderella. We know that story. It's really simple to write. We got it. Um, it's just, it's not good. I like seeing diversity, but I think it deserves better than this, to be honest. <laughs> I don't know, mm-hmm. but it's also Disney Plus original. I can't be too mad at it. I didn't like go to a theater to watch this. I'd probably be very oh. mad then. Could you imagine watching this in a theater? I'd leave. Christ. Yeah. <laughs> I would have left the theater. <laughs> um, speaking of not going to the theater, I, I did also watch Firestarter. I was the only one to watch Firestarter out of this group. Everyone said they were going to watch Firestarter. So I, was I like, didn't say that. Thursday, Thursday night. I was not committed. Thursday night, loaded up Peacock watched Firestarter and it was bad. I'm not I don't have a lot to say because it is one of those films similar to Sneakerella where it's not fun to watch, it's not fun to laugh at, it's not fun to tear apart. It is just so incredibly boring. Uh the story is that there's this girl who can like set things on fire when she's angry and her parents also have powers and they're like, should we teach her how to use her powers or should we teach her to hide them? And there's this guy after them and like, oh, they're on the run. And is she going to kill people because she can't control her powers? And it's so boring. Outside of the random score from John Carpenter, who's really good, like the score is fantastic. um, This sucks. It's just it's so it's like it's just so boring. At least be funny bad. Don't just be stale bad. But again, happy. This was on Peacock. They buried this film. They put it in theaters and streaming, which I appreciate because I didn't have to go to do the effort to watch the film. It was very easy to watch. Very simple to turn off. And I'm was it a remake or a sequel? It's a remake. It's a reboot Um, or remake of the original film based on the book, which I've not seen the original, to be clear. But I've heard bad things. So I assume the story is bad. Drew Barrymore is in the original one. (laughs) <laughs> i just yeah and i think there's another one coming this year i forget what which one it is but like i there's either with stephen king it's either really good or really bad it tends to be and this one is really bad and i hope the other one's really good i forget what it is this year but i think it's coming out in like september so we'll get to that when we get to it um but let's move on to the good stuff pleasure Hey, it's a good film. Uh, first, 
let's go in. Paul, you got the chance this week to interview people who made the film. So let's go to that, and then we'll get to our review. So I got a chance to interview both the star, Sophia Capel, and the director, Ninja Tyberg, of Pleasure. It's about Bella Cherry, played by Capel, who comes to LA to become a porn star and is a really in-depth look into the realities of the industry. It's one of my favorite movies of the year, so let's get into it. Pictures up, are you ready? Yep. Action. Hi there. Hi. What is your date of birth? 27th of April, 1999. Do you know what you're here for? Yes. Go ahead, tell us about yourself. I want to be the best. No, 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 no. no the leg, no. The foot. And open the knee. All right. Elbow like this. And then for the butt shot. Guys, look at you. You got a little butt on you. Are you ready to make a banana happy? Oh my God. He's the natural. Just give me a little tap, and that means like chill out. Yeah, she definitely <laughs> can't tap you. I found my niece. Like I'm very submissive. Oh, then why do you act like such a bitch all the time? Yeah. I'm gonna take over this shit. Taking over. Don't you want to see anything else in LA besides a porn set? No. What really drew you out here? This is a long way from home. Hello. Hey, mama. I'm just out here because I want to fuck. This is your life, Linnea. You book without agents? You're the one in charge. What if I would do it for free? And when you really want something, you can do anything. Everybody's going to want to be booking you for crazier and crazier shit. It's you and me. No. Beautiful. Feel the passion. When the yeah. camera came on, you were like, <laughs> I love being in front of the camera. I love having people watching me. Look at me. I'm here to be the next big porn star. First up, here's my interview with star Sophia Capel. Hi. First off, uh, what have you been watching recently? I've been watching a lot of Swedish. <laughs> TV shows. I recently started watching a TV show called Klar, which um, is about a very famous Swedish criminal who's portrayed by Bill Skarsgård, who also plays um, Pennywise in It. Oh, awesome. But not sure if it's out here or if it's a big thing here. But it's a big thing in Sweden. Well, that's cool. So um, tell me a little bit about yourself and what you were up to before doing Pleasure. Um, so I'm 24 years old. I'm born and raised in Stockholm in Sweden. Um, prior to pleasure, I worked as a visual merchandiser. Um, so I worked a lot with clothes. I also used to work as a salesman. So on a call or in call centers, being the annoying person who calls you at very bad times, <laughs> trying to tell you things. Um, yeah. That's what I did prior to pleasure. Not much. What were your initial thoughts when you heard about the film? Were you like excited, nervous, kind of mixed? Um, I mean, I got to the audition because uh, Ninja had been looking for the main character for over one and a half years. So she had uh, sent out character descriptions um, to people that she knew, knew very many people. Uh, one of them happened to be a club manager uh, who worked at a at a club that I really liked. And at that time I was in, in therapy for body dysmorphic disorder. So I was continuously putting myself through any situation that made me feel uncomfortable or uneasy uh, to challenge myself. And one day I met him when I was out clubbing and he said, my friend is making a movie. I think you have what she's looking for. Would you like to audition? And my initial thought was absolutely not. So I did it. Um, <laughs> Uh, it had nothing to do with the subject. When I when I learned about the subject, I I um I was more intrigued. I think uh, porn and sexual um, discussions in general are very important, especially um, for me. I'm 
I mean, I grew up with internet where it has been very accessible to my generation. And I think the way that we consume porn um, is not the healthiest, um, to be honest. So what was the audition process like? Um, so the first audition was um, one scene that where Bella, um, who had another name back then, went to uh, an agent uh, and tried to get an agent. And she was like trying to pursue him to become her agent. Um, and that scene was mostly improvised. Uh, and then we did a scene which is not in the movie, but it was a scene where Bella uh, goes back to Sweden and she meets her younger brother um, who essentially has been like bullied or picked on because uh, Bella went to Los Angeles to do porn. So those were the first two scenes that I did. Um, and then I now know like um, in the aftermath, I know that Ninja uh, was very excited that I was there. She actually asked me for a callback during my first audition. She didn't. She didn't wait until I left. She said she invited me back during my first audition. But I think I went on maybe three or four auditions before she called me and told me that I had gotten the part. Um, and I immediately said yes. But then she told me like, no, you have to wait at least a week before you can say yes. You have to talk to your parents and your family. Um, but obviously the answer still remained yes. But um, Ninja made her mind up before I knew that I got the part. So you mentioned the family and stuff. How, how did they react to the role? Um, when I first auditioned, before I knew that I got the part, I didn't tell my mom, especially what the movie was about, uh, because I, I, had, I had moved out uh, from my mom's house um, by that point anyway. So I was a bit like, I'm grown out, it's my decision anyways. But of course I wanted my family support. Uh, but she Googled and found out what the movie was about um, before I told her, but then I just told her to Google Ninja as well. And then call me back and tell, uh, tell me what she thought. And Ninja used to be an anti-porn activist. So my mom read quite a lot about that and she was like, okay, I feel safe now, it's fine. Um, and my dad, he basically just told me like you've made good decisions so far in your life I trust that this will also be a good decision um and they're my biggest fans I couldn't have asked for more supportive parents and my brother especially is amazing I also have an amazing boyfriend who is super supportive he came he came into the picture way later though but my brother and my mom uh, and my dad and like all of my family has been really supportive and they trust that I am a smart, intelligent lady who will make good decisions for myself. And I think I proved that this was one of them. That's awesome. So uh, was there like a learning curve to get into this character? Because I'm assuming that you're different than Bella on a lot of respects. <laughs> um, and um, did, yeah. And did you have to do any like research? Did you go to any porn sets or anything like that or... Um, yeah, I actually was, I got uh, involved in the pre-production as soon as I got the part. So I actually went to Los Angeles like six months prior to us shooting. Um, and I went to porn sets. I went to different venues and events, uh, porn events. Um, I hung out a lot with Mark Spiegler. So I got to feel what it was like to be one of the Spiegler girls. Um, but for me, most of the preparation what helped me the most prepare for the character was um, to speak and actually build like actual genuine relationships with people in the industry and being able um, to have very genuine discussions and um, asking all the hard questions that might be uncomfortable, uncom but that, that was important to me to understand. And I think throughout the process, my questions kind of changed from why are you doing this more to what do you get out from doing this? Because I had a lot of prejudice. I thought that, especially towards women, I thought that most of them would be traumatized or broken, which is very not true. I, it's the same as any other industry uh, and traumatized and broken people are everywhere. They're not 
centered in the foreign industry, I think that would have been crazy. Um, I met so many women, especially with so much agency and super intelligent. They know so much more about uh, patriarchy and feminism than I do. Um, and actually like trying to understand or rather like trying to understand myself because my prejudice, I was completely wrong. And I had to be very open to being wrong to do a genuine and authentic um, character or portray the character very authentic. Um, but it was also a lot about the, developing the character with Ninja, um, understanding how she works. I mean, we don't, we don't know her backstory. Um, which is on purpose. Um, so I had to know, know more about how she feels and what her thought process is and how she works as a person rather than what was her background or what pushed her into making this decision um, because there's a lot more to that. Um, and I was also very involved in the casting pr uh, process. So essentially everyone who has a part in the film auditioned with me as well um so that also helped quite a lot in the sense of like getting into character because I was Bella for quite a long <laughs> long time at least a year um I was more Bella than I was Sophia wow and what was it like working with um the mostly uh adult film star cast um it made my life so much easier I think that this movie would have been quite hard um to make if we didn't have um, so many people from the industry. Um, it was really a big asset uh, on, on set. And to me, it really helped me to be more comfortable. It helped me um, make my portrayal of Bella more authentic and genuine. Um, even for like sex scenes and whatnot, it's kind of like going to a gynecologist, um, even if it's uncomfortable at least you know you're not the first person that they're going to see naked and it was the same for me with when I was surrounded by adult uh, performers um, but I mean uh, the imagination is a very strong tool I wasn't as naked as you might think I was I wore shorts and underwear for most of the sex scenes um, because they're not we're not seeing most of my body for most of them um, so yeah, there were lots of bits and pieces and we practiced the more difficult scenes. We practiced them months prior to actually shooting them. Um, I was never uh, put in a situation where I had to shoot, especially the sex scenes with people I wasn't comfortable, felt safe with. Um, so I think it was uh, a tremendous asset, uh, not only to me, but to everyone on set and to Ninja to make to make this movie, uh, to have actual people from, from the industry. And I think it's important with representation. Um, I mean, it's better to have people who are from the industry actually representing people from the industry than people who don't know anything about the industry trying to portray that. And here's my interview with writer-director Ninja Tyberg. So tell me a little bit about yourself and what you've been up to before making Pleasure. Yeah, I mean, I've been working with um, um, porn as a, as a topic my whole adult life uh, since I was uh, became an, an uh, uh, anti-porn activist when I was 16 after seeing my, a porn film for the first time because uh, I thought it was very, from a male perspective and very problematic with how it was, you know, depicting women. Uh, uh, so I, I decided quite early that I wanted to make be a, a filmmaker and make some changes and and work with pop culture and try to make some changes and so every all all the films that i made uh, or have made since i started my first film school have been you know around the same topics of uh, gender roles and um, identity sexuality power dynamics um and uh, in some kind of relation to to um pop cultural images. Yeah, but porn has been very present. Uh, like after that, like very radical anti-porn activist period, I I started to question a little bit of that. And I felt that I was too like focusing too much on like, you know, like, you know making women victims. And I felt that there was a lack of like a positive representation of female sexuality uh, and that uh, like 
porn doesn't necessarily like it doesn't need to be a bad thing you know that it uh, it's more a matter of you know that how it's being done and what type of porn and uh, yeah so i started to nuance uh, my view on it and uh, i became interested in feminist pornography i also started to question that a little bit of like who's who's allowed to say what is liberating and what is uh, oppressive uh, and uh, you know um, and i became interested in in the people doing mainstream pornography and what their view were. And that from there came the idea of, of the first, the short film pleasure that I shot in, like premiered in Cannes in 2013. So what was it like reaching out to um, people like Mark Spiegler and things and uh, trying to uh, explain what the movie was about and do all of that? Um, I... Um... I mean, it was much easier than I thought. I kind of expected the people to be uh, suspicious, but um, I, because I had the short film, I could um, I could show that and show that my like I I want to portray the people or I want to show you know what's going on you know behind the scenes and uh, that I was really fascinated by this world and that that I wanted to learn. There's like it's such a one-dimensional. Um, uh, idea about or how the industry is being portrayed in mainstream media. So what was the casting process like and how did you eventually find Sophia? It took me one and a half year to find her and um, we searched all over Sweden. Everyone thought that I was like chasing a ghost because uh, I had invented this fantasy figure figure, and no one was good enough because they didn't match this person that didn't exist. But uh, I felt like I, I, there, I needs to be someone like extremely good and uh, because uh, she's going to carry the whole film. And um, finally, like I, uh, we had a mutual friend that told her about this, this auditioning process because I was like, <laughs> yeah, auditioning <laughs> people everywhere. So like the rumors spread. And, and then, uh, yeah, she decided to show up to, a, to an audition and she had never uh, acted before ever. So um, yeah, like uh, she was really brave to just like go there and try it. And then I think she was also surprised. Like I remember that moment of when she uh, did the first edition and after I said, thank you. And she was like, wow, what just happened? And she, so she had no idea that she had that uh, skill uh, and that talent. And um, yeah, she was just amazing. And, um, um, but uh, it took me, yeah, I had to try her several times and make sure that she was going to be, you know, mentally stable enough and strong, you know, it was really important for me also that she had good um, support from family and friends, because I knew that this was going to be like a huge, you know, a very, very difficult uh, job. Um, and, um, but, uh, but yeah, we, we, we got like very good connection and um, um, she actually, she was really important. Like we really started to work together and she was, uh, she helped to to develop the character and uh, develop the script as well. So, um, yeah. So she came with me to LA and came to porn sets and uh, interviewed people. And after a while, it was like she knew Bella Cherry better than me. So she could like sometimes you know say you know if we were doing something, she was like no, she's Bella would never do this. Like she like after a while, like she was I I, I could ask her you know what what would Bella do in this situation, and she knew the answer better than I did. Pleasure is currently in theaters in New York and L.A. and will be opening wide this weekend, May 20th. So Pleasure is a film I saw a little bit ago. I think I saw it December, January, sometime like last award season. Um, and this is a film I've been waiting for forever. It was a Sundance film I missed. It was supposed to be at Cannes the year before. Like it's been a long time coming. Um, it's about this girl who is 20 years old. She moves to L.A. to become a porn star. And very quickly, she gets in over her head, trying to push herself, trying to push her limits, um, doing things maybe she doesn't really want to do, but just trying to get an edge to become, you know, a, the next big porn star. And I think this is great. As someone who had a lot of issues with like Red Rocket, I think this is just such a better take on the dangers and the issues and the layers of the porn industry. Um, I think the editing is phenomenal. I mean, there's some really haunting scenes in this that are just really, really well done. But the acting all around, um, Sophia Capel is the lead, and I think she's fantastic. But the entire ensemble, it balances so well the chemistry and the connections and like the friendship they have and the kind of family they grow. Well, 
also it being so backstabbing, everyone so against each other, and it being so toxic. I think it balances those two sides so well. Um, this is one that really, really stands out. I think it's one of my favorites of the year. Um, I'm happy it's finally coming out, especially with the R rating. I know at one point, A24 was like trying to edit this down to PG-13. No idea how that fucking would have happened. Ew. But um, I'm happy that Neon, <laughs> or Daddy Neon, took over and is giving it a proper release. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought this fucking ripped. This is like what I wanted Zola to be. Like, I was engaged for this entire film, and that doesn't happen a lot, because, like, I'm an asshole who will sit on my phone if I'm bored during a movie, and I'm, like, watching it at home. I did not touch my phone once during this movie, and that, like, never happens when I watch shit at home. And, like, because Paul was nice enough to get us a screener. Shout out, Paul. I appreciate it. I had fun. And, like, like the main character, like, uh, Bella Cherry, like, Sophia Capel, she's, like, an actual actor. But then most of the other people in this movie are actual porn stars. And I was just, like, sitting there. And I was like, oh, my God. That's McBlue. That's Axel Braun. That's, like, a Bella Danger. I was like, oh, my God. I recognize all these people because I'm a dirty little slut who watches porn. <laughs> but I was just like, oh, my God. I think the way they did that just works so well because, like, they're the only people that can, like, truly understand what this industry is like um i think that was genius like and they all did such a good job which i was surprised about because you know porn is like known for being a bit bad at acting but they fucking killed it man like it was like just really good um it is very sad at points as you watch like um bella cherry uh like succumb to the industry um like She's pressured into doing, like, a hardcore, like, graphic scene that she doesn't want to do. And then, like, uh, this is, like, going to be a very triggering conversation, by the way, listeners, if in case you couldn't tell already. Like, she gets, like, I don't know, practically raped by, like, two fellow porn stars. Like, they were just doing their jobs. She felt like she couldn't say no because, like, she'd cost everybody time and, like, no one else would get paid. So she feels like she has to go along with this, like terrible scene you know and like later on when she's like she recommends her like old roommate or I don't know if they're still roommates they're still roommates for like a boy girl girl scene and like the male porn porn star was like a dick to her roommate at like a previous party the roommate gets like upset and she's like Bella like back me up tell them and Bella's like oh it was just a joke so like you really like see her like, she wants to be, like, the next big porn star, like, so badly that, like, the industry just, like, rots her morals also. And, like, the way that happens, like, just ever so slowly, it just, it works so fucking well. This was amazing. Like, I loved everything about this. Yeah. I love you, Rob Zola. I, like, I feel like we've seen so many looks at the porn industry as of recent. I mentioned Red Rocket. There's been just a handful. Mm-hmm. I still haven't seen Red Rocket, so I should soon, but I know <laughs> I you're rolling your eyes, but I feel like you probably should at this point, but like... You can. I fucking hate this, that film, but that's okay. Valid. valid. This this one is fantastic. Yes, this is, I don't I think, think the you best. could have a better look at the porn industry. No, and as you mentioned, it just feels so real. I love that they incorporate mm-hmm. those people. I just feel so real, and I mean that in mm-hmm. the best of ways. Maybe don't watch this with your mom. <laughs> you know, I would... Do not. Happy Mother's Day. I watched this at my grandma's house in her basement and i was like please do not come down these stairs i will scream yeah no definitely <laughs> would not be good for i wouldn't watch it with anyone i know actually i don't think i would even go with my friends but it's mm-hmm. really good it's really worthwhile mm-hmm. like i don't like it's one of those movies where it's just like so good that i don't know what to say about it you know it's really one of those where like the best thing i can say is just like go watch it it's worth mm-hmm. it. Every aspect, like there's really no complaints I have with it. Like it just, it is really well done to the point where like it just deserves to be seen. Every other thing, it's like, I feel like it's worthwhile to give a reason why it's good and all this just so you can see if it's good or not for you. But like, I really just feel as long as you can handle, to be clear, some very sexual maybe things that'd be triggering, um, I think it's phenomenal. Yeah. If you can handle it, if you watch porn regularly, I feel like you should watch this. Especially if you watch, like, graphic porn regularly. Like, feel sometimes you need to feel bad about yourself for watching shit like that. <laughs> <laughs> and the summer of sex has started. <laughs> so. Yeah, go crazy. Um, man, like, I know this is, like, technically a 2021 release. Um, since it came out at, like, Sunday and sent it, like, a festival run last year. And, like, it's only, like, officially coming out now. But, like, I'm, like, shocked that this didn't get, like, 
any recognition like at all because like Sophia Capella like fucking killed it and like I don't I've not heard her getting like any acting recognition the director like ninja whatever sick name by the way like also fucking killed it like with the directing style like everything about this is so good and like I know like Paul and you had been talking about it for like a bit but I don't really hear a lot of other people talking about it yet it all of my friends that I follow on Letterboxd have this as like four and a half five stars I'm like why is no one talking about this until right now like I wasn't looking forward to it but like it's legit one of my favorite movies of like the year imagine if this got the attention like power the dog did like really the society what it could be is sad maybe i think maybe this year we should do the clapper cast awards of some form and we'll keep this in mind because i think it deserves recognition so far Mm -hmm. we'll see what year we have okay and enough of pleasure the good film this week let's return to probably our bad films i don't know we'll see what we think about these it's murder mystery may and we're continuing by looking at the genre of horror that has to do with murder mysteries and let's start off paul you can kick things off with the whole 2001 you want to do this i didn't he- i've never heard of it i didn't watch it so take it away um you should so i don't know how i found the whole um <laughs> i want to say it was on netflix back in the day or maybe even like rented from netflix um but i watched it because of you know the same reason everyone watched it because thora birch is in it um <laughs> no because it's uh it's funny originally on the poster it was thora birch as the star um but once like kira knightley who's the other star in this became a big deal um all of a sudden even though she's a minor character she suddenly became the cover of the movie it's very funny to me but um the whole is about four friends who um go down to like party in this like underground bunker for a weekend and they get locked in and it's kind of a a mystery on what happened in the hole to a large extent um there's a there's a bunch of different twists in it um and to say much more would be really spoilery but it's it's like a good campy time the other fun weird fact about it is that there's a guy a blonde guy in it named lawrence fox who you don't know, except for the fact that um, in the UK, he's become like a huge alt-right like commentator. And um, I'm always like, hey, it's the guy from The Hole, whenever I see him saying the most insane things on the internet. For a while, I followed him because he was the guy on The Hole. And I was like, oh, no, you're not, you're not, (laughs) you're crazy now. Um, But yeah, um, I love this film. It's like, I think I've seen it like four or five times at this point because it's a great show to people and they're all like, oh my God. Also, Keira Knightley's naked, which, you know, like is wild because she never does it again, really. Um, but yeah, Alina, what'd you think? Um, I thought it was bad, but I still had fun with it. Like, I would watch it again. Um, I had not heard of it until you picked it. And I was like, what the fuck is the hole? And then I looked it up <laughs> on Letterboxd. I was like, oh, Keira Knightley? I'm in. Also, this came out in like 2001. Kira Knightley yes. was born in like what 1985. She's like 15, 16 when they're following this. And you see her titties, and I was like, "This is technically child pornography," and I'm very uncomfortable about it. I thought you were going to be like, "I'm very into it." No, <laughs> For legal, legally, I did not watch this. Let's be clear. Um, I was no, like, I, I think she's. I think she's. Uh, she's of age because I remember it being like they had to wait for the scene, which yeah, is creepy. I know in the I know in the UK like the age of consent is sixteen, so like I get it, but also it's very weird. And I know Karen yeah. Knightley looks older, but like still, but this is odd. But then like Barbara <laughs> did the same thing for American Beauty, so like whatever, I guess. Who cares? I guess <laughs> it's just odd. it's so funny because that's kind of what the movie's known for and i oh the other weird uh famous person in this is miss honey plays a like psychologist miss honey from matilda and (laughs) she pops up and i'm like huh i remember Mm -hmm. as a kid being very confused um yeah but there's just a lot of odd choices in this film 
especially from like the characters because like they're a bunch of like rich kids that go to like I don't know if it's like a private school or like a boarding school or something and like they just really don't want to go on this like field trip to Wales I'm like is Wales so bad that you guys have to go into an abandoned World War II bomb shelter (laughs) yeah right also they're like rich so like why couldn't they could have gone to like a hotel or something I don't understand the character motivations to go into this like hole that like um i just like that's scary it's giving cave vibes at the same time i'm afraid of caves yeah it's a very the hole is actually terrifying like the actual location is like one of the scariest places um and i kind of i just like its b movie vibes throughout Mm -hmm. um i love that the movie um it's almost like one of like those loop movies or like roshamon it's it's a lot of fun it's very dumb though um but also you know sometimes movies can be dumb and fun and i like a a, like fun bad campy movie it's like one of my favorite things but uh cry wolf like did me in like i had to peace out i think i made it halfway no um i was like i can't do this anymore like i had also just done game night and we were playing the alien game which is like jackbox's version of the werewolf game and i was like oh this is just the exact same thing i just did <laughs> yeah but okay Go so ahead. to be clear describe wolf made in 2005 about this group of kids who come together and are playing basically like werewolf or town of salem you know the game and they learn that there's a murder and they decide to make up the story of like oh there was this killer and it has all this stuff that happens and then it starts to come true so like is the murderer real like what's what's going on um and there's twists and turns it's a very twisty film and it's not great but i think you have to like appreciate the film for the era it was made in this is like coming out in a time where computers are new the concept is new because nothing about this like now is new the concept is not I'm new sorry, the technology is not new computers were new in 2005 <laughs> not computers but like the idea of instant messaging you were new you, I was you were a new thing. <laughs> I was four years old and AOL instant messaging. It was like, you know, it was a newer thing in the world, especially on film. So, like, I think in the moment, this was probably really good. I imagine this was probably like a pretty original, fresh teen murder mystery thriller. As is, it isn't fresh. <laughs> the writing is not good. The camera work is not good. Everything is like really oversaturated for some reason. It's not good. But like Jared Padalecki is not good. <laughs> yeah, okay. Nothing is really good about it. I love I Jared Padalecki, but he was not great in this. <laughs> it's a real struggle. Yeah, I also had not heard of Cry Wolf, and then I was looking at well, the cast. So we list, need to talk like, about Who the, the fuck, fuck are these people? And then Jared Padalecki, I was like, your oh. boy's there. <laughs> And John Bon Jovi. <laughs> yeah, that's insane. The most random casting ever. Um, I also like that there's a guy uh, named Paul James. Um, that made me really happy mm-hmm. because that's my first and middle name. Yeah. It was not me, unfortunately. <laughs> Paul was actually an actor in Cry Wolf. Um, that's yeah. how we got to start. <laughs> so me just talking shit about it is really just like <laughs> self-reflexive. It also mm-hmm. was like like a contest gave him the money to like make the movie i don't know i think it's cool i've not seen his newer work i don't know if anyone here has seen truth or dare or like fantasy island apparently they're not good i haven't seen them but like oh he did fantasy island yes yeah (laughs) that was one of the worst movies i've ever seen um but i had a great time um not recommending fantasy island but (laughs) (laughs) i don't know i have appreciated time I didn't like it at all. It was worse than the whole by like a wild margin. I was just happy that Jared Padalecki was there. I was like, oh, this is what Sam Winchester was doing when he was off at Stanford. Cute. Um, It's just bad. Also, um, like when I was in grade 11, I was doing French immersion and we used to play a version of the werewolf game called Lougarou because it was in French and it was fucking sick. Like you like. It's kind of like mafia, but like there was werewolves and then the other people were villagers and there was like a fortune teller and a sheriff and like hunters. It was like a whole thing that the entire class played together and we did it to like practice our French. And I was just like, this shitty game we used to play in grade 11 French class was way more interesting than this movie. So I take it neither of you yes. played the AOL game Cry Wolf like that came out. It was basically an online version of that for this movie. 
they made a no. game for this movie. I didn't play it. That's sad I was four. But... Okay. Okay. I've I've never played. I don't know what AOL is. I'm too young for that. <laughs> I know what AOL is. I, I know what it is. I've never used it. Is what I mean. Um, AOL Instant Messenger so easy to use. No wonder it's number one. <laughs> like <laughs> that was the ad, <laughs> and they used to say I it use all the time. I used MSN Messenger. That was a thing. Also, it must have been really sad for that campaign when it no longer was number one and they had to change the whole ad campaign because they were losers now. (laughs) (laughs) I think Um, AOL is kind of sad, you know, like (laughs) it's more sad by the year. Is AOL still a company? I I think so. Probably. Like MySpace is still a bit of a thing, isn't it? Um, I, I like how its new logo is just AOL dot, <laughs> um, <laughs> and it's like in like a bold sans serif font. Um, yes, it is still around. Um, it was owned by Time Warner until two thousand nine. Then it was owned by Verizon till two thousand twenty one. Now it's owned by Yahoo. Yahoo's just buying all the dying stuff. They bought Tumblr. I think it's time for Crywolf <laughs> 2. Let's rejuvenize the brand of AOL and let's bring it back. Hmm. I also appreciate oh, the I end of think... this, not giving away spoilers, but it's kind of like Saw, where they like, it feels like like a very bad Saw at times, where they try to recontextualize everything, and I appreciated that. The score I really like. The reveal is just insane. Like, I'm yeah. not going to ruin it, but like when you find out the character motivations about like why they did it, I was just like... All this for a bit of dick. I don't under these two movies are like the hole and cry wolf are like wildly similar in like plot point and execution. It's like it's crazy how similar they were. So funny because we picked we them separate. See- yeah, and we mm-hmm. didn't see either of them. Well, at least I didn't see cry wolf. I don't know if you saw the hole. So, oh, I, I went on a whole tangent about how I'd watched it like six times. Honestly, I, I tune you out when you talk. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. No, it's also, like, I think that was, like, the last thing Zora Birch did before she disappeared off the face of the planet for, like, ten years. Yeah, yeah it really is, like, crazy? she does. She did the whole ghost world and then just goodbye. <laughs> that was it. <laughs> Flop. Um, ghost world's pretty good, though. Have you ever seen it? Mm-mm. Oh. oh, is that the one with Scarlett Johansson? That's the 2001 yes. one? Yes. I have not seen it's it. It's on my watch list. But I should. Well, that's going to be it for this episode, a weird episode, but that's okay. Let's get into our recommendations for the week. Um, from our first, I'll, go ahead. I'm starting um, nope. because <laughs> it fits with the theme and is way better than anything else uh, other than pleasure. Um, I just watched uh, Hugh Laurie did an adaptation of the Agatha Christie novel, Why Didn't They Ask Evans, um, which... I had started the audiobook as a kid and I wanted it to be a Poirot and it wasn't Poirot. It was just some two randos. So I was not interested, but I always like was like, what, what's the twist? So basically the mystery is this caddy uh, finds a dying man at the bottom of a cliff and his last words are, why didn't they ask Evans? And then he dies. And so you're like, well, what the fuck is that? And so the whole mystery is finding out like what that means. Um, it's so much fun, though. Hugh Laurie is um, a really good director. I'm very surprised about that. Uh, he's a great writer. Um, yeah, it was a lot of fun. It's um, Lucy Boynton, who's dating uh, Rami Malik or married to Rami. And then uh, Will Poulter um, is in it. And he's also really fun. It's just like it's a it's a good little mystery. Um, I think it's only on BritBox, but you can probably find it some illegal places. Um, definitely give it a watch. It's three episodes, so it's like a long movie. Uh, it's great. Love that. Alina, what's your recommendation this week? I watched uh, Tower this week from 2016. I've been getting back into borrowing DVDs from the library. I hate paying to rent things if I can help it and shout out to the Ottawa Public Library I love that place um it's a like an animated like rotoscope animated documentary about the like 1966 
shooting at the like University of Texas in Austin. And like, so it's like mostly recreated like scenes, obviously. And like, it was just really freaking sick how they did everything. And I also really liked it because it put like all of the emphasis on like the victims and how like they were impacted. Like they barely talk about like the shooter like at all. And I thought like how they handled everything was really like respectful. And it was also just like a really compelling and interesting and unique documentary. So I recommend it. My recommendation is also animated. Paul, I know you apparently liked this according to your letterbox, which I was somewhat surprised by. So I had some weed left over from our 420 special. So I got high and watched The Point, um, which is this very f- strange animated feature um, with a bunch of like fun songs. And it's about this. It's well, it's Carson. Cool the guy, what? Carson. Paul. What's my dog's name? Oh, Arrow. Didn't even, didn't it's even, named after the it's named after the point together. that's great <laughs> <laughs> didn't even get wow. didn't even see you yeah didn't even that's, put it together. he's named after he's named after the point um uh, in the point uh the main character has a dog named arrow um and it has a fantastic little song called me and my arrow um which i sing to him 200 times a day um, so continue on, but wow, I feel like I've just been like saw at the end of Cry Wolf recontextualized. Like I missed it all along. Uh, yeah, it's basically it's this very strange animated feature. It's told like a guy's telling his child a story about this city and this world where everything has a point. This kid comes along, Oblio, I think it's his name, and his head is round. It's not pointed. So he gets kicked out and he's like going through this forest of no points. So then he realizes everything has a point, but having a point is no point. And it's just, I mean, you should get high and watch this. It's on Criterion Channel right now. It's very, very fun. The songs are all amazing. I even like have multiple now on my playlist. Um, Alina, I think you would like this. I really liked it. I don't know. I was really, I hadn't heard of this for some reason, but it's just, it's really good. Yeah, no, it's fantastic. And, um, yeah, and the song Me and My Arrow is fire. Um <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, no, um, it was originally an album and then they made a animated movie over it. That's so um, cute. Yeah. It sounds adorable. You would really like Narrated it. by it's Ringo Starr. Great. Oh, yes. I'm in. I'm yeah. in. <laughs> That's all you need Which to say. <laughs> oh, so good. Cool. Well, let's find where everyone is on social media. Paul, where are you? At Price Like Tag on Twitter, Instagram, and Letterboxd. Alina? Um, at Alina Falls on Twitter, Letterboxd, and sometimes Instagram. And you can find me on Twitter at BP underscore movie reviews, Letterboxd Carson Tamar. Thank you so much for listening. Find us on Twitter at Clapper Podcast. Email us at clappercast at gmail.com. Uh, new episodes every single Tuesday. Thank you so much for listening. Goodbye.